Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for Therapeutic Thursdays. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members sit down to discuss what's new and ongoing in the world of therapeutics. My name is Vicki Vasiliga, and I'll be your host for today's episode. With me are Jenny Kale, a pharmacist at Massachusetts General Hospital, and Marianne Pop, who's from the University of Illinois College of Pharmacy, who practices in a level one trauma emergency department at a community hospital in Rockford, Illinois. In addition to their clinical practices, Drs. Kale and Pop precept multiple residents and pharmacy students throughout the year. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So let's get started talking about today's topic, effective teaching in high acuity settings. So let's start off with the basics. What is a high acuity setting? Sure. So most people, when they think about a high acuity setting, they think of one that has typically rapid patient turnover, patients with critical illnesses or that are in extremis. These settings also typically house patients with a variety of different disease states and usually pretty tight time constraints to complete tasks for the medical team um, and staff that works there. And these settings are often of high interest to learners as they consist of multidisciplinary teams, usually a direct patient uh, and provider contact, along with the need to make quick decisions. But I will say that I do want to point out that not all fast-paced precepting occurs in high-acuity settings. For example, many retail pharmacies are super fast-paced, even though they're not what we would kind of describe or imagine as high-acuity So these precepting pearls and tips can be utilized in really any setting that requires much multitasking. For sure. Those retail people are saints. (laughs) What are some pros and cons of teaching this type of setting? Sure. Uh, So due to the often diverse patient population, learners really are exposed to many, many different disease states, which allows them to quickly build upon much of their didactic knowledge while bringing kind of what they learned and that evidence-based knowledge to the patient's bedside. I know when I precept students and residents, I learn something new every day as each year becomes further and further from when I was in the classroom. Additionally, this type of environment really thrives with good interpersonal communication, and this allows the learners to practice and improve their communication and medication information skills. Although there are so many positive aspects of this type of learning, in reality, it might be too fast-paced and or stressful for some learners. There may not be enough dedicated time to answering learner questions, to discussing both our thought processes as well as those of the learners, and covering all of the desired topic discussions that we'd like to chat about during the rotation. Additionally, this setting can be intimidating to a new learner as the roles on the teams may be blurred, and you really do need that developed trust between your team members, which is super important when making those quick decisions and integrating well into the team. What are some of the barriers you've experienced when teaching in this type of setting? Sure. So kind of overcoming many of the barriers that we encounter, it's very important to mentally prepare the learner for this type of environment prior to the learning experience starting. And this might mean having a learner orient during a slower part of the shift or meeting them prior to the experience to really verbally explain the workflow and maybe some of the patient presentations that they'll encounter. I'd also recommend providing substantial learning materials prior to the experience so that the learner is as prepared as possible. Um, So really lack of preparation can be very impactful to the success of both the learner and the teacher. Additionally, I always recommend gauging what the learner's strengths and weaknesses are in their specific interest areas. 
And if you do this in advance of the rotation, you can create a list of tasks um, or learning opportunities that can occur on a daily basis so that you can redirect the learner's focus to be more independent when the shift gets busy so that you can continue to be productive while providing the learner kind of another focused task. In doing this, you will not see the learner as sort of like an inconvenience or feel badly in those times that you can't provide them as much attention as you'd like to. And so it's really just about setting expectations in this sort of setting and that it will consist of much active learning, but also periods of independent review and observation. Additionally, if appropriate at your institution, potentially having the learner um, spend time with other members of the healthcare team. And this often provides the learner with more perspective and also helps them build a, these relationships with the team that are that are so important throughout their rotation. I've always found that the other professions are always excited to take pharmacy <laughs> students anyway. They love them. <laughs> what are some tips for optimizing learner onboarding into a high acuity learning experience? Sure. So it's really just, again, about that preparation. So preparing the learner and yourself by building a reference library sharing uh, to share with them, whether that be journal articles, books. It's becoming really the fad also to read more free open access educational materials, such as in emergency medicine, we have sites that, uh, like Life in the Fast Lane and Academic Life in Emergency Medicine are some examples that I frequently uh, view that have become more of a real life learning platform and one that the learner might find it a little more easy to digest. And there's a, a ton more kind of social media platforms that you can share with your learner. Set the expectations early by assigning the responsibilities and rotation progression from the start. I would provide the learner with a set amount of patience that they're expected to go see, to review, to really follow up throughout their hospital stay, and build a set of rules or tasks that can continue to progress once other tasks have been kind of learned and mastered. Additionally, just providing consistent feedback and check-ins that allow both the learner and the teacher to progress and identify continued areas for improvement. I do always recommend when you are providing this feedback to provide small bits of feedback more frequently rather than kind of unleashing a week's worth of feedback on a Friday afternoon. Um, so that that's definitely helped with my with my learners as well. Yeah, I like that you talk about prepping them ahead of time for what they're going to be seeing. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you facilitate learning in this setting now that you've prepped them with background materials? Sure. Um, so since time is pretty limited, I always recommend using both verbal and nonverbal communication tools to really streamline and optimize our interactions. And so in doing this, we provide the learner with detailed information on your expectations of them within the medical team. Appropriate pre-rounding patient workup. So kind of what depth do you expect them to look into these patients before? coming to the rotation. And this is very different based on the setting. So in an intensive care unit, your patients are usually there for an extended period of time. So their workup may be more thorough in the morning versus the emergency department. You really never know what you're walking into. So it's more of kind of a fast workup. And then again, um, providing consistent feedback throughout the day. To provide kind of efficient teaching, some of the the methods that we talk about is the three-minute presentation, and this really helps your learner develop the skills to present information effectively, really focusing on the key points. That's very helpful. Both this can be in a patient presentation, maybe they're presenting a disease state, but keeping it to three minutes is, is sometimes a helpful goal. Additionally, another method is the one-minute preceptor, and this allows for rapid assessment of the learner's knowledge while providing timely feedback. So during this one minute, the learner focuses on one learning point and provides their understanding 
while you as the preceptor uh, reinforce the correct knowledge that they provided, as well as give guidance on maybe incorrect information or anything that needs to be tweaked a little bit. And then at the very end, you provide a clinical kind of pearl of wisdom. Um, many other templates do exist, and uh, we always love to hear what other preceptors are using in these types of environments. Additionally, make sure to utilize all of your downtime that you have as effectively as you can to recap the learning points that they have seen or kind of taken in throughout the day. Review patients with the learner that they weren't able to see just so that they know exactly what's going on in the learning environment. And then provide repetition on any kind of learned points to ensure that they understand it and that that knowledge is retained. So Marianne, um, Jenny's kind of talked about uh, how to prep the student and how to have them part of to facilitate learning in the setting. Could you tell us a little bit about how you, in your practice, integrate learners into these fast-paced settings? Sure. It's important to identify those patient care activities that the learner can safely do based on their level of either knowledge or training. You do want to model these activities and then serve as a facilitator once you determine that the learner can perform them effectively. Next, I usually evaluate if the learner can be implemented as an extender in the practice setting. So is there some service that we as pharmacists are unable to do or at 100% do, but that has value for the hospital and for the patients? Is there a process that, that they as students can manage or as residents with some or minimal investment in your time in regards to the training that you need to place in? So would that added benefit be added by that student or resident performing that task and be beneficial for both parties. So for example, at our facility, we do culture reviews, anticoagulation, education, medication reviews or histories, counseling, drug information, questions for providers and nurses, et cetera. So in addition to the patient care processes, you could have learners develop education for not only your department, but other areas at the hospital as well. Lastly, offer learners the opportunity to shadow in other specialties if offered. Even if this is a few hours a day, this may help offload some of that stress during your busy periods of the day. I always tell my friends, tell people when they're new to precepting, make friends with the nurses. Because <laughs> I think when I was on my head, ICU rotations with my students, I was like, there's the ECMO machine. The ECMO nurse is going to talk to you about ECMO for about an hour. <laughs> So you did mention some things like culture review. What else are you doing at your specific location that you have your integrated learners do? Yeah, so kind of highlighting that culture review process as pharmacists in the emergency department, we review urine, wounds, blood culture, strep cultures. I am the only emergency department pharmacist at our site, so I'm based solely in the emergency department, and I have to oversee this discharge culture review process. It is a daily review, and so when I have students or residents with me, they take on this task as well. It does require some training in the beginning, but most students do feel comfortable with reviewing and making their recommendations, usually by the end of the week. So this does entail confirmation of their recommendations with myself, but then once the student has um, provided the recommendations, I let them lead the way, talk to the provider, the patients, and call in prescriptions. 
In addition to those tasks, I also have them complete prior authorizations. So similar to the community pharmacy setting, the emergency department may receive prior authorization requests um, on a daily basis. So in order to ensure that our patients are receiving their appropriate therapy, sometimes we have to complete these prior authorizations. So the students can help process these claims with the insurance companies with minimal intervention. Usually if they have experience in community pharmacy, they could complete these as well. In addition to that, we have anticoagulation education at our facility. It is a task that our 14 hospital system has set as a goal. So within our hospital itself, this could be 10 to 20 patients per day that have to be educated. This education can be provided for our patients by our second through fourth year pharmacy students. I do train them at orientation on how to educate new starts and prior to admission oral anticoagulant users. They educate the patient, the family, and they document their education. And they'll highlight any deficiencies or gaps in the patient education so that um, the rest of the members of the healthcare team can help fill those gaps before the patient leaves. Lastly, in-services are provided to our nurses and ED providers every month or every two months. And so my students will be offered this assignment to basically develop an in-service for our team. And so by the end of the six-week rotation, they could provide them a guideline update, a formulary change, or order set changes that the team needs to be familiar with in the upcoming weeks. You've both mentioned that you not only manage students, but you also manage residents as well, both PGY1s and PGY2s. I was wondering if you could share with us, how do you balance multi-layered learning between residents and students? Yeah, so this really depends on the level of the resident, the student, and where they are in their residency year or their academic year. So for example, if you have a PGY2 emergency medicine resident, they should have the opportunity to precept maybe later in the year where they're really familiar with the area or the practice setting, and they could serve as that primary preceptor for your student or even your PGY1 resident. In this setting, the PGY2 resident will be in charge of all the learning activities and on-shift precepting and teaching. This can include that student evaluation prior to the rotation starting as well. In the setting of a PGY1 resident or a student, there will be a little bit more observation, obviously, of the resident and some more facilitation of learning for the student as well. When you do have several learners, this does offer the opportunity to employ the layered learning of having a teacher, assistant, and an observer model, where one learner is going to be assigned the teacher for the week or the day, one learner is assigned to be the assistant, and they will help uh, make sure that there's patient follow-up and they are gonna be the hands-on learner. And then there's the observer who's gonna take uh, more of a backseat role, but it will ensure that all the necessary tasks are completed. And as I mentioned, you could do this on a daily basis or a weekly basis. So lastly, how do you all manage the ebb and flow of time constraints while teaching learners? So although slow times are few and far in between, (laughs) you can use those times to revert back to traditional teaching opportunities, such as topic discussions, lit reviews, or patient debriefing. But for those faster times, really try to teach at the bedside, just discuss your overall triage process, verbalize it for your students and your residents when the patient's coming into the room, even do quick topic discussions, such as if you're doing an intubation on a patient, just go through the rapid sequence intubation examples at the bedside. And then you could use the time to also send your learners to do more independent tests. 
And then lastly, you could have your learners attend other lectures that are being provided by other pharmacists within the facility, even topic discussions or offering those shadowing opportunities. And this will give you some more time to complete those tasks that you might not be able to complete. Mary and Jenny, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us about uh, precepting in these high acuity areas. So for our listeners, if you haven't before, I encourage you to check out ASHP's clinical resources on emergency medicine. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as the Recorded Emergency Pharmacy Series, links to articles and guidelines for emergency medicine, and other practice resources. Thanks again for tuning in for this episode, and join us here every Thursday where we'll be talking with ASHP member content matter experts on a variety of clinical topics. Be sure to subscribe to ASHP's podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.